Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Reformed Dissenters. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. This is the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting, or at least attempting to assert, a biblical worldview in the best way we know how, which is, you know, reading the Word of God and presenting that here on this show. Also, we read principled literature on this show every month in case you're new, you happen to be new, and you aren't sure what this whole Wednesday uh, literature episode is all about, that's what we're doing today. We are reading some principled literature, and when we say principled, we're talking about a strongly biblically-based piece of literature that presents a fundamental point of uh, uh, order, essentially, in a Christian worldview, where these building blocks that all fit together and build a Christian worldview this, these are books that we're trying to help you find those building blocks to put them together. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined by my brother, Jacob Johnson, today. Hello. And uh, yes, he's remote, if you're new to the show as well. I'm in this wonderful state of South Dakota. Jacob is in Pennsylvania. So, yeah, he doesn't look sadly. too happy about it, though. Yeah, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> Hasn't quite been able to get out yet. So... Go to trdshow.net. That's where you can find a list of links to all the many platforms we're on. That is our show website. We've got so many things on there. If you want to share this show with as many people as you possibly can, and you want to earn free stuff while doing it, go to trdshow.net slash refer to join our referral program. Also, send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. Again, look out for our Friday episode. We got an awesome Friday episode coming up. We have an email that we got from a listener last week. Um, and we're going to be breaking that down, discussing some of their questions and uh, ideas that they raised, which was absolutely fascinating. <clears throat> Today, we're talking about um, the doctrine of the lesser magistrates by Matthew Truella, and it falls in line with our theme this month, which is biblical principles for restraining civil government. So we want to talk about what does it look like from a biblical perspective for civil government to be within its bounds? I mean, when we talk about sphere sovereignty, which is not a new concept at all, this has been around for centuries, and I firmly believe it is rooted deeply in scripture. It's certainly what I found our founding fathers believed, but sphere sovereignty is kind of what Gary DeMar described in his book when he talked about the four governments, individual, family, church, and civil, civil government. These are all equal, all equal under Christ with us, with authorities and um, responsibilities, all of their own, each individually. So, what does it look like for civil government to do what civil government is supposed to do? That's our theme this month. So before we get into all of that, we've got so many cool things to talk about. We're going to pass it on over to Jake to talk about the verse of the week. Take it away. All righty. And our verse this week can be found in <clears throat> Daniel 7, verse 14. And it says, And to him, Christ, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. And, unlike most weeks, I will actually be trying to break this down Ooh, for everybody. I'm excited. Um, so I just wanted to first point out that this says that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. And mm, yep. I I think that a lot of churches like to diminish that and say, oh, well, yes, in a spiritual way. 
but I mean, even even so, it's like saying that all peoples, nations, and languages, yep, all, yep, even the unbelievers, will serve him. <laughs> and and this is talking a little bit about we will kind of have the victory a little yes. bit, yeah, very very minute, but that's something that can be seen here. Mm. And but that also we also look at this as his kingdom is an everlasting dominion. Right? It shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Mm. And something that I do want to kind of point out, I don't necessarily know if for sure that this is the case, but I, I think a lot of times when we see that word destroyed, it's talking about a physical destruction. Mm. Right? We see an actual physical destruction of it. We're not talking about um we're not talking about his kingdom in heaven being destroyed. It shall not be destroyed in heaven. It's talking about his kingdom on earth mm. shall not be destroyed. Yep. Yep. So yeah. That's, what does the Lord's prayer break. say? Yeah, that will be done yeah. on earth on as earth. in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Great breakdown, Jake. Thanks for, for mentioning that. Very, very well put. Well stated. All right. Moving into the... Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates by Matthew Chuello. This week we talked about chapters four, five, and six. These are fairly short chapters, so we were able to cover three chapters a week. So um, look out for that. Next week, I guess we're doing seven, eight, and nine. So if you have the book, great. Read those chapters before our next uh, next Wednesday episode. If not, um, get the book. It's on our Gab page. Uh, we have a link to it. So definitely try and Get a copy of this for yourself, even if it's just to sit on your shelf and, and look really nice, because that cover is pretty cool, and to support the author. author. Um, first of all, I want to take a deeper look at the duty of the lesser magistrates, and I want to start kind of the same way Matthew Chuella starts, by actually defining what duty means. So on page 15, Matthew Chuella said, duty is that which a person owes to another, or by which a person is bound to another by any natural, moral, or lawful obligation to perform. Duty is any action required by one's position or by moral or lawful considerations. A magistrate is a person clothed with power as a public civil officer, whether executive, legislative, or judicial. As the title implies, a lesser magistrate is one who possesses less power than a higher magistrate, end quote. So when we're going through this study of the doctrine of the lesser magistrates, you know, some people can hear the term lesser magistrate and think that we're talking about level of importance, really. And we're not at all. That couldn't be farther from the truth. We're talking about level of authority. And really, it's not even level of authority. What we're talking about is... is um, breadth or width of authority how far does their authority go in terms of physical mm -hmm. space right right a more local authority to, whether it be a sheriff or um the local city council or what have you they just have a smaller area of authority over that doesn't mean that they're any less important in fact what we are seeing throughout this entire study is that they are even more important because they have the ability and should take, they have the ability and duty, as we just read, to stand up against the higher magistrates, the ones who are in control over even more. So if a governor of the state, in my case, Governor Christine Ohm, happens to say something 
or or create, I don't know, pass some sort of executive order that forces people to, for instance, put on face diapers to go into buildings. It is now the duty of the people in the town, the magistrates of the town, to say no, to stand up, to recognize that she has no authority to do that. Whoever your governor may be does not have the authority to do that, according to the Constitution, the founding documents of this country, which were based on the word of God, the only true law. They have no authority to do that. And so the lesser, the lower magistrate should stand up and say, heck no, (laughs) we're not doing this. You don't have to do this. And that's why local elections are so important. All right, page 16, Matthew Chuella, and then I'll open up the floor, Jake, if you had something to add. But on page 16, Matthew Chuella said, whether a governor or a state legislature standing in defiance of the president or Congress or the Supreme Court, or whether a mayor or city council standing in defiance of the governor. Wow, I cannot believe that's exactly what I just said. That's kind of funny. (laughs) It's almost like I read this like this week. Because it must have been (laughs) subliminal in my head. Uh, Defiance of the governor or Congress or state legislature, the authority of the lesser magistrate is more local than the higher magistrate. State governments, for example, were never intended to be mere conduits or implementation centers for federal government regulation, law, and policy as they have become today, end quote. So what he's saying there is that these little microcosms of people that we call states or counties or towns, or cities, aren't supposed to just be, well, whatever they say up there, we have to implement it here. That's not at all how this was devised. Otherwise, we wouldn't split it up this way, the way that we have. This was very intentional. The Founding Fathers separated things into these categories very intentionally, so that lower local magistrates could stand up and say no to tyrannical laws. Um, well, before I move on, Jake, is there anything that, uh, you'd like to add? Yeah. And, um, what, what this really is, uh, I wanted to state and talk about, um, the IOTC, right? Ooh. And the IOTC is the Institute on the Constitution. Ah, and nice. they have someone who is with them. Um, his name is Pastor David Whitney, and he was talking about this and, about the concept of interposition mm-hmm. that that the constitution put in place that interposition right that was the idea that's why these smaller governments were created mm. right not for this purpose of um implementing or you know implementation centers for yeah. the federal government they they were things to help make sure that the people continued and to were sorry that their rights were still protected right Mm. because the closer a government is to the people right the smaller it is and the the more the people are personally connected with the people in office the more those people in office care about the people yes they will want their rights to be protected yep however if you have this nebulous president that you've never met in your life, he doesn't care who you are, right? Yeah. He doesn't care. And that's why these smaller governments, these representatives, these state governments, local governments, local county governments were created. Yes. Yes. 
absolutely. 100%. Yeah, that's that's a really, really good point. And I think, you know, adding to that, they're supposed to be from the people, right? The people that are elected come from the people uh, that they're going to be serving, right? They are coming from those communities, the states, the cities, all of that, the district that they are representing, they have to live there. They have to be part of that district because they have to know those people um, and they have to be held accountable to those people. So, so another quote um, was on page 17 and Matthew Truella said, with the shackles, I'm sorry, with the shekels come the shackles. <laughs> the federal master has bought the lesser magistrates off so they more readily do its bidding rather than the people's. The lesser authorities become mere implementation centers of federal policy. A magistrate who upholds or follows an unjust or immoral law becomes complicit in the higher authority's rebellion against God, end quote. And I think that last bit, I mentioned this last Wednesday as well. This is just so, so important that lesser magistrates need to know that if they fail to fulfill their duty of standing up against tyranny, from a higher magistrate, if they don't stand up against that tyranny, they are complicit in rebellion against God. Because that's what this truly is, is rebellion against God. This is not just some personal opinion, some idea of tyranny. This is rebellion against God and his word. So, since we're talking about God and his word and and all of that, my next um, group that I'd like to talk about is the Bible which is the only true unchanging standard. It's There's no other unchanging standard out there. This is the only one. And uh, Matthew Torella makes that point really well. On page 21, he says, there needs to be an objective standard to determine if a law is moral or immoral, just or unjust. There must be an objective standard to know if a law is right or wrong. For nearly 1,500 years, that's 1,500 years throughout Western civilization, the objective standard was the law of God, end quote. Page 23, he, he kind of adds to this, and he says, what every society needs is the moral law of God. His law is an objective standard. His law is objective truth. He is the creator of all. He best knows how we are to be governed. He declares what is right and what is wrong. His law and truth is not subjective. Rather, it is objective, end quote. So I, I just thought that was fantastic. You know, Monday episode, we talked about a self-evidencing source of truth. We talked about um, presuppositionalism, and that was a huge facet of that, was self-evidencing source of truth. And the Bible is the only one that is truly self-evidencing. Um, so if you missed our Monday episode, go back and check that out if you want to hear more about what that means. Those are some big words. Before I move on to my next topic, Jake, is there anything that you would like to add to this conversation? Yeah. And I mean, I have four quotes Woo! that fit in with that topic. Awesome. And I would like to touch on all four. Um, and first of them being found on page 25 in which uh, Matthew Tru Truella says... <laughs> ah, I'm not the only one having a hard time saying it. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, certainly. But um, he says on page 25, they cannot make up laws as they go, nor change the immutable laws of God. Mm. The authority they have is delegated to them from God. Yep. It is not autonomously 
held. Yes. And that speaks exactly to what you were saying, right? The law of God is what sets up what is right and wrong, right? Yes. Like we were talking about on our Monday episode. Yep. But, and this is the same for the civil government. It doesn't change. Once you get to civil government, we're not saying, oh, that's outside of the law of God. No. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Um, Absolutely. My next... Oh, go ahead. Nope. Nope. I was just agreeing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, honey. Uh, my next quote is found, again, on page 25, uh, in which uh, Matthew Torella says, The rule of law, simply stated, is the law is king. All are subject to the laws of the land, both king and commoner, both government officials and citizens. And the law is equitable to all. Mm. Basically, when we say law is king, right, we're not saying that whatever the civil government makes up, which is law, is the king. <laughs> and we're saying yeah. God's law is the king of the land. Yep. Right? Yep. They all have to follow, especially the government, government authorities, the king. Right? Yeah. But also, yes, also the citizens and the commoner. We're not, they're not outside of the picture. None of, no one is outside of the picture when it comes to the law. Right? Yep. Yep. And then this, this quote, which speaks to exactly what we were talking about on Monday, uh, which c can be found on page 26. And this was a quote from Francis Schaeffer, which Matthew Shuala was quoting. And Matthew, uh, Francis Schaeffer was saying, if there are no absolutes by which to judge society, then society becomes an absolute. Mm, right? Yes. We see the moral absolutes come in, coming into play. Right? <laughs> if you do not have an absolute based in the Bible, based on God's word, then society and other things will replace that. Yes. Right? Yep. So, and as we talked about on Monday, if any, if, your absolute is based on anything other than the Bible, then there is no way to say murder is wrong, stealing is wrong, lying is wrong. Mm. Right? Yes. These basic presuppositions. Yep. 100%. Yep. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. And then one last one, and I really, I, I like this one. Nice. Which he brings up on page 29, which he also, he, he quotes from another person. Um, but on page 29, he says, men should not respect the rule of law just because it's the rule of law. Mm. Rather, we respect it because, as Blackstone said, because it does not contradict the law of God. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's really good. Yep. Yep. Respecting civil government when they are within their bounds, when they're doing the right thing, you respect them. Which is what Romans yeah. 13 calls us to do, right? It's giving us the description of what a good civil government is and then telling us, obey that authority. This is the kind of authority you should obey. That right. when right. they are doing this, their authority is derived from God. They have authority mm -hmm. from God if they are doing it the right way. If they're using God's word, his ultimate standard as their ultimate standard. So, Certainly. yeah. Great. Yep. Great point. That was really good, man. Four back to back. I love it. <laughs> Making history on this show. Four quotes back to back. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yep. Um, so my next section I want to get to is God's law during the foundation of our nation. I'm sorry. Founding of our nation through too many Asians. There we go. Um, <clears throat> during the founding of our nation. So 
Jake just mentioned Blackstone. And that dude was instrumental in so much. I mean, Blackstone's commentaries are fantastic. And um, he played a massive role in the founding of America. So on page 21 of Matthew Chirella's book, he, uh, he said William Blackstone, who actually lived from 1723 to 1780, so like four years, he died four years after the founding of America, um, is the most cited legal scholar in the writings of America's founding fathers. He was a British jurist who wrote a four-volume work entitled Commentaries on the Laws of England. Um, that was in 1766. Blackstone referred to God's law as those superior laws and stated that upon these two foundations, the law of nature and the law of revelation, God's written law, depend all human laws. That is to say, no human laws should be suffered to contradict these. So all human laws, this is exactly what Jacob was just talking about, right? All human laws should fit within the confines of God's law, should be based on that. Um, page 22, Matthew Chuella had another quote from another person who was fundamental in the founding of America, and uh, this was actually James Wilson. Matthew Chuella said, James Wilson, who lived from 1742 to 1798, was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, a major force in the drafting of the U.S. Constitution, and one of the original justices appointed to the United States Supreme Court by George Washington. Like Blackstone, he said the following about law. And then this is James Wilson's quote. As promulgated, which means to be made widely known, promulgated by reason and the moral sense, it has been called natural. As promulgated by the Holy Scriptures, it has been called revealed law. As addressed to men, it has been denominated the law of nature. As addressed to political societies, it has been denominated the law of nations, but it should always be remembered. Here's the key part. should always be remembered. Lots of names, lots of times, places, identities, all of this, but it should always be remembered that this law, whether natural or revealed, made for men or for nations, flows from the same divine source. It is the law of God, end quote. I mean, wow. <laughs> I, wish, I wish we could get pastors to preach like this, to make speeches like this, to talk like this. This was a Supreme Court justice of the United States of America back in uh, the, the late 1700s. This is incredible. And this is what we need to get back to. Laws, national societal principles founded directly on the word of God, directly on the word of God. <clears throat> so I just, I had to bring these up because this was amazing. Okay. Before I move on, Jake, I know you usually have a lot to say about, um, Supreme Court appointees and uh, the foundings of America. Is there anything you'd like to add to this conversation before we kind of move on? I'm just as surprised as you are as to why <laughs> someone would say that. Um, again, who I think is the best justice we have today, Clarence Thomas. Yeah. I, I think he would state that, but really? I do not think he would state that in an actual um, formal opinion in... Yeah. <clears throat> a document. Mm. I think if you talked with him personally, I think he would believe that. And I think he would say that. But yeah. whether or not he applies that to his actual, his decisions, I don't know. Yep. 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 Unfortunately. And I think that's true for a lot of people. I mean, 
it's true for, you know, we hold Ron DeSantis up as this great governor and mm. all, but he has done more to support government schools, more to give money to police, more to do all of these things. Now, giving money to police in and of itself isn't bad, but it usually generally follows that they're also not being trained well and they're being trained to coerce people. That's what the curriculum for police is nowadays. Um, but anyways, that's off point. But what he does, Ron DeSantis does not base his decisions on the word of God. <clears throat> he does not make laws based on the word of God. Let's say, for example, that he was a Christian. And let's say he did start to make laws based on the word of God. Um, Christy Nome, for example, tries to pretend like that's what she does. <clears throat> let's say she actually did it, but didn't do it in name. She did it in practice. She uh, was, you know, writing this. She said, even maybe, I don't know, in a speech or something, was like, yeah, I based it off of this verse or whatever this law right but right. she doesn't publicly declare christ in her office and say that we need to uh reign control this office for christ if she doesn't publicly confess that then she hasn't gone far enough when we read raymond simmons confessional, confessional county, county yeah. exactly that's what yeah. they do look at the book of nehemiah Read all the way through the book of Nehemiah. They're re rebuilding. I think it's Jerusalem they're rebuilding. And what do they do at the end? All the leaders, the leaders of the families, the Levites, the leaders of the church, the political leaders, they all, all get together, publicly confess, sign a document that says we dedicate this country, this city to God signed a document, swore to it, created a covenant, and then read the entire law of God in front of all the people. That's what we need. If mm -hmm. a Christian is in office, this is what we should be working towards. Not just quietly manipulating puppet strings from the back. No. No. We are called to be bold. We are called to be what our savior was and what he has done, which is extremely bold. In this new covenant, what we have today, we should be even bolder in proclaiming we are doing this for Christ. We're going to take back South Dakota for Christ, Pennsylvania, right. wherever, right? That's our goal as Christians. That's what we're working towards. All right. So we got about four minutes left. There's a couple things that... Um, I want to wrap up with, and uh, this is kind of all under the umbrella of what we must know about what the, the Bible says about civil government. And really, I want to talk about why we must know what the Bible says about civil government. It's vital that we as Christians know this. Um, page 23, Matthew Chuella says, if a citizenry, if a citizen, citizenry does not know the purpose, functions, and limitations of the state, then the state can do whatever it wants to do because the citizenry doesn't realize anything is improper uh, or anything improper is being done. For there to be any indignation towards acts of tyranny by the state, one must be able to identify what tyranny is. So they have to know what tyranny looks like in order to know that they are under tyranny. That's what he's saying here. Page 23, he also says, man makes himself the standard. And because of the nature of man, the standard changes all the time. It's, it's constantly in flux. Sorry, end, end quote. It's constantly in flux. It's all over the place. That's the heart of man is deceitful above all else, right? Jeremiah, who can know it? We cannot trust our hearts. The heart of man is not something that we can make our ultimate standard. Uh, page 25, Matthew Chuella said, when Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's, he was making clear 
that the civil government has limitations. And in a minute, I'm going to pass it over to Jake to talk a little bit more about that. But this is part of this conversation. We need to know what these limitations are. We need to know what to render unto Caesar and what to render unto God. So, Jake, I'm going to pass it over to you. I know you mentioned you wanted to talk a little bit about what uh, this chapter, what was it? The last chapter we read, um, what that was talking about. So, take it away. Well, I mean, and that, the those four um, quotes that I have are all from chapter six. But, I mean, that, that passage, right, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, render unto God what is God's, he was specifically talking about that as being um, that, first of all, right, we understand it as there, are, it, right, here we go. <laughs> he was saying that it's a lot here yes yes there is but um he was matthew torella was saying that it's putting in limitations for the civil government mm. right that verse is talking about the limitations of civil government render unto caesar what is caesar's but there but even more so render unto god what is god's yeah because right. that means that not everything belongs to Caesar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the majority of people talk about that as taxes. Right? And giving taxes, giving 10% to civil, the civil government, less than 10% to the civil government. And so they can become the justice division of society. Yep. So they can defend and... Um, and yeah, sorry, and be the justice division, right? Mm. That's what yeah. they need the 10% for, less than 10% yep. for. Yes, indeed. Yes, so. indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but um, I'm trying to find a really good quote to wrap things up with. I have three more quotes, but I won't get through them all. So I think, you know, I think I'm going to go with this last one because I think it, it kind of sums everything up. Um, pretty well and ties it all back into the title of the book, actually. Uh, but on, on page 27, Matthew Truella says, present day magistrates need to know of the lesser magistrate doctrine so that conscious prods give them more vigorously in their duty. I'm sorry, their conscience prods them more vigorously in their duty and responsibility in the sight of God. So what he's saying there is that our lesser local magistrates, the local magistrates need to know about the the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. They need to know that they have a duty to stand as the interposer. As Jake was talking about earlier, they need to interpose on our, on our behalf. They need to know this so that they can more vigorously work for this in their duty and responsibility in the sight of God. They aren't just responsible to the people that put them there. They're responsible to the God that put them there as well, because it wasn't just the people that put them in the position they're in. So they need to remember that. All right. Well, anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up, Jake? Nope. Okie dokie. Well, thank you all so, so much for listening to us today. Don't forget, go to trdshow.net. It's where we have a whole bunch of stuff. That's the show website. Check it out today. Sign up for an account. We'd really appreciate you signing up for an account. Uh, that really helps us out, actually. Buy some merch. We got our merch store up and running on our website. Uh, there's a link for it. So get a T-shirt. T- we got hoodies. I know it's not hoodie weather, but hey, some people like hoodies in summer. I don't know. Uh, maybe your AC's <laughs> cranked up to a million. I don't know. Um, 
grab a, uh, stickers. We've got mugs. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, all sorts of stuff. So check that out. That's on our website, trdshow.net. Also, send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. Stick around for our Friday episode coming up day after tomorrow. We're really excited. we got so much stuff to talk about there. There might be a bit of a longer episode, but we're really excited. Um, and until then, we will see you in the next episode. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do is unto the Lord.